Our dear loving Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name for giving us the privilege of life. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we present ourselves to you that you may consecrate us to your service, dear Lord, and use us as instruments by which your will may be done on earth. Lord of our own strength, and without you we can do nothing. Please, Father, grant us grace and strength as we go through your word. Give us the gift of your spirit as it is written, the words that you speak to us, they are spirit and they are life. And your word says that we shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is upon us. Lord, through your word, may we be sanctified today. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage February 24 Twisted Values Thus Esau despised his birthright. Genesis chapter 25 verse 34 Esau had no love for devotion, no inclination to a religious life. The requirements that accompanied the spiritual birthright were an unwelcome and even hateful restraint to him. The law of God, which was the condition of the divine covenant with Abraham, was regarded by Esau as a yoke of bondage. Bent on self-indulgence, he desired nothing so much as liberty to do as he pleased. To him, power and riches, feasting and reveling were happiness. He gloried in the unrestrained freedom of his wild, roving life. There are very many who are like Esau. He represents a class who have a special, valuable blessing within their reach, the immortal inheritance, life that is as enduring as the life of God, the creator of the universe, happiness immeasurable and an eternal weight of glory. But who have so long indulged their appetites, passions and inclinations that their power to discern and appreciate the value of eternal things is weakened. Esau had a special, strong desire for a particular article of food, and he had so long gratified self that he did not feel the necessity of turning from the tempting, coveted dish. He thought upon it, making no special effort to restrain his appetite until the power of appetite controlled him, and he imagined that he would suffer great inconvenience and even death if he could not have that particular dish. The more he thought upon it, the more his desire strengthened until his birthright, which was sacred, lost its value and its sacredness. Esau passed the crisis of his life without knowing it. What he regarded as a matter worthy of scarcely a thought was the act which revealed the prevailing traits of his character. It showed his choice, showed his true estimate of that which was sacred and which should have been sacredly cherished. 
he sold his birthright for a small indulgence to meet his present wants, and this determined the aftercourse of his life. Esau represents those who have tasted of the privileges which are theirs, purchased for them at an infinite cost, but have sold their birthright for some gratification of appetite or for the love of gain. Amen. title of our devotion for today is Twisted Values. We are looking further into the, the life of the children of Isaac, but specifically the life of Esau. As we have been studying the book Conflict and Courage as we look through the Bible, the reason for this is that the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 15 verse 4 that whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, we are also told that these things were written for those of us who are living in the time of the end. They are written as examples to us. Examples so that we can learn from the lessons, not repeat the mistakes that they have made and repeat the victories that they had and to inspire ourselves with zeal and fervor and to have a holy emulation of the good things that they have done and despise the evil. Today is a day when we go through the life of Esau. There's nothing to emulate but something to despise. As we go through the life of Esau, we see the mistakes step by step that he made. And perhaps some of us have even made the same mistakes. But the Lord is showing us this so that we can correct our error. It is possible that some are well nigh in the same position as Esau was and may not even be able to recover. But the Lord is bringing to us this story of Esau that we may be, first of all, warned not to repeat Esau's error. And also, if we have perhaps done as he has done to correct ourselves. The book of Genesis 25, reading from verse um, 29 says, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, as, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Here we learn lessons, like I said, a warning to us not to repeat the mistakes and also if we have to 
repent of our error. So what lesson do we get from this story? For me, the first thing I see here is the power of words. What could it be? I mean, it was just a conversation between Jacob and Esau. A conversation. There was no transaction like we may uh, call it today. The birthright was no physical, tangible thing that Esau gave to Jacob and collected money from him and said, okay, here is the document that shows I have sold my birthright. For us today, we work with documents a lot, signed documents, and we may deceive ourselves and say, as far as we didn't sign anything, then we've not done anything wrong. But I see that the Lord takes seriously our words. Esau sold his birthright with his words. He just said it and that was all. The Bible says in the book of Matthew 12, verse 35 downward that I'll read to verse 37 Jesus himself said this a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment for by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned you see, Esau didn't take what he did on this day seriously. He thought he was in a joke or play. He probably even laughed at the stupidity of Jacob in thinking that the birthright can actually be sold. I mean, I'm the firstborn. It cannot change. That was Esau's mindset. Since I'm the first child, nothing can change that. And I cannot give you my birthright because I am the first child. And so, he thought he was playing on the intelligence of Jacob probably. And you can see that in the sense of the blessing. When this was time for the blessing to be received, why was he making a noise over Jacob receiving the blessing above him? That means that day he sold his birthright. He didn't take it seriously. He thought he was just talking. He thought it was just a play. He thought he was just deceiving his stupid younger brother Jacob. And then after that he goes and laughs at him. I've eaten his food and I still have my birthright. But heaven didn't think like that. Heaven took note of the event that took place that day and recorded the following words in Genesis 25 verse 34. Very solemn words. Heaven recorded this. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. Hmm. Proverbs 18 verse 21 tells us, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. James 3 verse 2 says, For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Proverbs 13, reading from verse 2 and 3, says, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. And that was what happened to Esau, opening wide his lips and then saying, what good does this birthright do to me? I am at the point to die. Give me the pottage. And Jacob, in his own unconverted character, took that and said to him, swear to me this day. And the Bible says, Esau swore unto Jacob. And by doing that, he sold his birthright. Heaven takes seriously our words. Don't play with God. The things we say 
are recorded in heaven, no matter how idle you think it is. I am sure that Esau thought this was just an idle word. Perhaps what he even did this day, he completely even forgot. That day when the birthright was uh, given to Jacob and he came back and heard about it, why was he angry as I said earlier? Is it not because he didn't take seriously the day he swore to Jacob saying that he had sold the birthright? If not, why will he also want to get the birthright when he has, if he intentionally and seriously meant what he said that day? Esau didn't mean what he said. He felt he was just joking. He thought even if he swear, swear from now till tomorrow, it is not taken seriously. If he only took seriously the word of God, because the word of God already tells us that we should not even swear by anything and it tells us that God takes note of what we say. If Esau was really somebody who regarded God, he wouldn't have said what he said that day. But heaven recorded it and we should learn the lesson. We should be careful in the things we say. We should not make these idle claims, idle words. Heaven is taking note of it. Esau, in his own words, said that the birthright was not of any benefit to him. Those were his words. And then he sold that birthright by swearing to Jacob. Today, there are many who are also saying the same thing or by their actions, they are saying it even though they are not saying it with their words. Which takes us to the next part of what we are looking at. While the first is we should be careful with our words, heaven is taking note of everything you are saying. When you say to someone, I promise you I will do this, I promise I will do that, you swear. And even Jesus said, don't even swear, don't bother swearing because heaven is already taking your words seriously. Whether you say I promise or I, you don't say I promise. God doesn't need you to say I promise or I swear before he takes you seriously. I mean every idle word, don't even say I swear, every idle word is taken seriously in heaven. Be careful what you say. And even our acts, our idle acts, they're taken seriously. If there's any such thing as idle acts, there's no such thing as that because everything has its influence. Therefore, heaven is not going to neglect anything because everything has an influence. Our actions too are taken note of by heaven. Not only did Esau use his words to sell his birthright, but by his action of receiving that food and of course joined with his words and eating that food as he was eating that food. The moment that food, he said what he said, took the food, put it in his mouth, it was a very solemn day. He didn't know that something had just changed. The sky was still as it was. Nothing in nature indicated that something huge had just happened. And he stood and left after eating the food. But something big had just happened. And that's how it is in life. When these huge decisions are made by us, when we sell our birthright, nothing in nature shows it. You know how it's in the movies when those things happen and then they try to make you see some real stuff has happened or oh, thunder, lightning and then the music is making you see that something remarkable is about to happen. They are playing the music in the background. Nobody's playing any music in the background while we are eating our own food and selling our bed right. Nothing you are going to hear out of the ordinary. The sky is not going to change to be gloomy. There's not going to be thunders and lightnings to warn you to see that something you are about to do is huge. But nevertheless, it is taken seriously in heaven. Our actions are taken seriously. Just like Esau, many of us say, as it is written in the book of Malachi chapter 3, reading from verse 13 to 8 to 15. Jesus, God, the word of God says, Your words have been stout against me, said the Lord. Yet you say, 
what have we spoken so much against thee? You have said, It is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance, and that we have walked monthly before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. This is the Esau mindset. What did Esau say? What profit does this birthright do to me? And the Esau's of today, just like it's written here in Malachi 3 verse 14, people say it is vain to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked monthly before him? As it's written in the book of Malachi chapter 3 verse 13 to 14, I'm reading it in the a new English translation, it says, You have criticized me sharply, says the Lord. But you ask, how have we criticized you? You have said it is useless to serve God. Do you remember Esau's statement? What profit, of what use is this thing called birthright to me? For us, it is of what use is the keeping of the commandments to me, seeing that I am hungry, seeing that I need this or I need that. How is this commandments of God of benefit to me? And then reading on it continues in New English Translation. How have we been helped by keeping his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord who rules over all? So now we consider the arrogance to be happy. Indeed, those who practice evil are successful. In fact, those who challenge God escape. This is the mindset of many, and by our actions we sell our birthright. They even sing it today in songs. They say, if we don't make money, what do we gain? In some other languages or some other, I say, slangs that are used today, people will say, who, 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 who keeping Sabbath help? Who commandment help? Who God help? And for Esau, it was the same kind of comment. Who birthright help? What is the birthright to me? I'm hungry right now. Can I eat birthright? Will birthright satisfy my hunger? I'm at the point of death. And I have the birthright in my presence. What good is this birthright to me now that I am hungry? That was Esau's mindset. And that is the mindset of many. What good is the keeping of the commandments to me when I am hungry? What good is the heritage that the Lord has given to me now that I am hungry? Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 61, paragraph 3 says, There are many who like who are like Esau. He represents a class who have a special valuable blessing within their reach. The immortal inheritance, that's the valuable blessing now. The immortal inheritance, life that is as enduring as the life of God, the creator of the universe, happiness immeasurable and an eternal weight of glory. But who have so long indulged their appetites, passions and inclinations that their power to discern and appreciate the value of eternal things is weakened. So what is it that made Esau to despise his birthright, long indulgence of his appetite, always getting what he wants, lack of self-denial, anything he wanted, he went for it. He had long, for a long time been breaking the commandments of God to get what he wanted to the point where he sold his birthright. And for us, how would this apply? Maybe from the time you were young, you see the restraints of God. You see the Bible. We read today that Esau is the type who did not like any restraint. The the restraints that the commandment of God placed on him, he hated it. He was not a devotional type. God has placed restraints on us. We can do what we want, but don't do it 
and break the commandments of God. You can go ahead, be ambitious all you want, dream all you want. You are free to dream. Have the big dream. Some people say uh, they have the American dream. Oh yes, go ahead, have your American dream. But the Lord says to you while dreaming, be sure not to break my commandments. You may achieve your dreams in the right way. But when you see that the only way to achieve your dreams is by selling your birthright, by going against my requirements, don't do it. Rather, give up your dreams. But some people have always gotten what they want, that they are not going to stop dreaming and they must achieve their dream. For Esau, it was just a small matter as food. It was just a light thing. This was not adultery. This was not the breaking of the Sabbath. This was not killing. Just eating a food. That was in the matter in which Esau sold his birthright. That reminds me of a certain denomination of people who the Lord has specially blessed. I'll start first of all with the Christians. The Christian denomination today are like Esau. Selling their birthright, the Lord has blessed Christians and giving them his word, giving them graciously of his spirit. But because of the love of the world, they despise their birthright. The Lord wants to make the Christians to be a light to the world and a salt of the earth, that through them many might also get the inheritance of eternal life, life that measures as the life of God in its, in its uh, eternality. Happiness forevermore. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy and abundance of pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. Put at the footsteps of the Christian people. But many, many, many are saying, What good are the requirements of the Lord to me? In reading Conflict and Courage, page 61, paragraph 4, it says, Esau had a special strong desire for a particular article of food. So, this is how we get there. First of all, a special strong desire for something. The next thing it says, he made no, no effort to restrain his appetite. And thirdly, this thing controlled him and he imagined that he would suffer great inconvenience and even death if he could not have that particular dish. What is your particular dish today that you think that if you don't get this thing, you are going to die? If you don't get this thing, it's going to make me so inconvenienced. And then you say, even if it means me breaking the commandments of God to get it, I just have to do it because if I don't do it, I will die. Or I will be placed at a very great inconvenience in this world. The Lord is testing you. The Lord is testing you. And it depends on you how you would react, whether you will pass the test or not. You go against God's requirements so that you can come out of your inconvenience, perhaps even death, then you might well nigh be selling your bed right. We are told, the more he thought upon it, the more his desire strengthened until his bed right, which was sacred, lost its value and its sacredness. This is the step-by-step -step process that we get through to sell our bed right. The Lord has given to many of us on a platter of gold a very important thing. It depends on you how you value it. In the book of Matthew 13, reading from verse, uh, I think, 44, there Jesus talked about how we should value the better right. He said, The kingdom of God is like unto a man which found treasure hidden in a field and went and sold all that he had and bought that field. 
And then he says, Wherein shall I liken the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is like unto a man seeking goodly pearls. And then he finds a pearl of great price, and then goeth and selleth all that he had, that so that he can buy that pearl of great price. Esau did not see the birthright as a pearl of great price. Many of us as Christians do not see the blessings contained in the word of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the commandments of God. We don't see the requirements of God and his restraints as blessings. We don't see them as a pearl of great price. We don't see it as a treasure hidden in the field because it is through the word of God and it's our adherence to it that we have life eternal, that we have pleasures forevermore, that we are delivered from the bondage of sin. But some don't even want to be delivered from the bondage of sin. Some don't even want the mansions in heaven, neither do they see this matter as a pearl of great price. Therefore they say, what good does this birthright do to me? What benefit? Who does he help? How has he helped me all this while that I have been keeping the Lord's commandments? It may be in the matter of diet. And it reminds me of a certain peculiar people which the Lord has called out today among all Christian denominations. None are more in danger of this sin of disregarding their birthright than are those who have been called out specially as depositories of God's law. Those who claim to be the commandment keepers today, keeping the Sabbath of the Lord, and have also been given the gift of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy, yet they despise it, they reject it, and treat it with contempt. The Lord will have no mercy, I tell you. If after he has taken his special time to call out a certain people, call you, and give you a message, tell you about the blessings contained in his word, and yet you not only despise it, but you mock it, laugh at it, reject it, and even despise those who promote it, oh my. Heaven is taking record of all your words. Heaven is taking record of all you do as you are despising it. You are despising your bed, right? Like Esau. The Lord will have no mercy, I tell you. And for some, as it is written in the book of Hebrews 12, that Esau sought for repentance but could not find it. And you really need to be careful. There are many Esau's today and it will may well nigh be you by the way you have been treating the the, the word of God and slighting the spirit of prophecy and its requirements. Was it not on the matter of diet now that we see Esau lost his birthright? And many who the Lord has given the message of health reform, who the Lord has given the message of dress reform, who the Lord has given the message of Sabbath reform, the Lord has given also the message of social reform and has helped them and then they have been keeping it and they say, oh, what good does these messages do to me? Give me that food, let me eat, if it will help me now. Or give me that dress, let me wear it since I need to get this job and if I don't dress that way, I won't get it. What good does dress reform do to me? What good does Sabbath reform do to me? I need to go and get that job and do the interview. I need to go and write the exam. What good does Sabbath keeping do for me? What good does it do for me that I will not tell lies? What good does it do for me? I will change my date of birth so that I can get that pottage in the job. I will get that pottage in the visa and I will go outside the country 
to go and enjoy myself. Oh, my pottage is going to America. My pottage is going to Canada. My pottage is going to the US or to the UK or any other country. That's my pottage. Therefore, what good does it do to me that I have been dressing this way or keeping myself and not telling lies or not committing adultery? If I need to commit adultery, I'll do it. What good does it do to me that I'm following these requirements? Oh, what good does it do to me? That I will keep the Sabbath holy. Many Esau's are around today. And don't make any mistake. Many people want to presume on the mercy of God and say, Oh, the Lord understands. The Lord will have mercy. The Lord took your words seriously, my brothers and sisters. He took you seriously that day you mocked, the day you laughed, the day you despised his word and did what you wanted to do and took to yourself your own pottage your self-indulgence when you thought that there was no way for you to survive and it would be great inconvenience to you if you don't break his commandments he took you seriously he took esau seriously and he took you seriously also we shouldn't joke with these things many of us will be quick to say oh death and life are in the power of the tongue but we only say it when we don't see when we when people want to say oh somebody died or this and that and then we are quickly alive to quote, quote that passage death and life are in the power of the tongue but we don't know that death and life are in the power of our actions too and death and life are in the power of our tongue also by the actions we, we take oh death and life have been chosen by many of us but I would like to speak hope to you if it may be the Bible says the Lord might turn back and help us. We are told in the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, reading from verse 12 to 14. Therefore also now said the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering, and a drink offering unto the Lord your God? Who knoweth is what we read there. Who knows? Because in the case of Esau, there was no place for repentance for him. There was no place for repentance. And I tell you there are many human beings today who have no place for repentance. But the Bible tells us, turn you with all your heart, rend your heart and not your garments. Have you made the same decisions Esau made? Rend your heart and not your garments with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Do you feel it? Do you know you despised your birthright? It is time for you to return to the Lord with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And in another way, Esau sold his birthright that we need to fast and weep and mourn for was in his marriage. We are told in the book of Genesis 36 reading verse 2 and 3, Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan. If you have been following our devotion, you should already understand what that means. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan. Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Aholibama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of the Zibion of, Zibion, of the, the, the Hivite, and Bashamat, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nebajot. Esau took his wife from the land of Canaan. Do you understand what that means? In Genesis 26, verse 34 and 35, Isaac and Rebekah understood what it means because it says there, And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, and Bashamat, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. 
which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Why was it a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah? Clearly, Esau's destiny was already defined. You see, like we studied yesterday, God did not choose uh, Jacob above Esau by his own making of Jacob a better person than Esau. No. God had seen that this Esau, that's God's foreknowledge. He just knows this Esau is going to make terrible decisions. And if there's one decision above another that already, even if he didn't sell his birthright, that will certainly determine his trajectory in life, that will make the Lord reject him, it is the choice of his marriage. What did Abraham say concerning the marriage of Isaac in Genesis 24 verse 3 when speaking to his servant Eliezer who was going to get the wife for Isaac? He told him, And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. The Lord himself said in the book of Deuteronomy 7 verse 1 to verse 6, when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee. Who are the first people? The Hittites. Who was the first wife that Esau married? Hittites, two Hittites. The Hittites and the Gigashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. Verse 2. And when the Lord shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy this suddenly. But thus shall you deal with them, you shall destroy their altars, break down their groves and images, cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. Why? For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Some people don't understand this. They don't understand that God has selected them Christians as holy people. The Lord God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Do you know that? And this is the reason why you are not to marry from the world. And when we say the world, we do not mean that it's just only the world are pagans. Even among the so-called Christians, there are many who are just the world hiding under the garb of Christianity. Baptized paganism is in the church today. And there are many denominations of Christianity that hold on to things that are just of the world. I mean in practice, everything. And the Lord says to us, that we are not, because we are a holy people unto himself, we are not to make marriages with them. Esau did this. Isaac and Rebekah understood. It is not done in the life and family of Abraham that anybody should go and marry from the Canaanites. Abraham said concerning his son Isaac, if you don't find a wife from him, for him from the land that you are going to, then let him not marry at all. But Esau, in his stubborn-headedness, will Isaac and, and Rebekah have attended that marriage when it was a cause of grief to them? It was a cause of grief to them. Esau was a stubborn person, married these two ladies. Certainly, Rebekah was not in support of it. Certainly, Isaac was not in support. And the Bible says it was a cause of grief to them. Marrying two wives, not even one. Two, polygamy. Secondly, they were Canaanites. 
Esau's case was certainly decided. There was not going to be any birthright for him. He was certainly not going to be the progenitor or the inheritor of the spiritual blessing. He decided his fate himself by the decisions he made. And we also be careful in the marriages that you are making. Are you marrying of the Canaanite? Oh, the Lord is saying to us, we need to repent with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. We have said, what good does this birthright do to me? Why is it that there was no other person to marry that we decided to marry the Canaanites? Hmm. The Lord may leave a blessing. That's what he says. Who knows that he may leave a blessing if we repent of our sins. So the Lord is bringing these things to our mind today painfully to some of us as we listen painfully as we review our decisions of the past we see ourselves like esau we have sold our birthright we have said what good does these requirements do for me all the lessons i learned of how i should dress of the day that i should worship and how to keep the sabbath holy of why i shouldn't tell lies or cheat or i shouldn't convert or how i should reverence god i have despised all these things because i was seeing them as impatient i was impatient at them and seeing them as unnecessary strains stopping me from getting what i wanted and perhaps the holy spirit is touching your heart now i just pray the holy spirit is touching your heart and it is really broken broken at the word of the lord it is time for us to fall on the rock and be broken if not the rock will fall upon us and crush us as it did for esau we are to turn to the lord with fasting and with weeping and with mourning rending our hearts and not our garments feeling bad for the decisions we have made in the past who knows whether we even sold our birthright how did heaven regard our actions and our words in the past did heaven say concerning you thus you sold your birthright by a decision you made in the past did heaven say about you thus you sold your birthright by the adultery you committed thus you sold your birthright by breaking the sabbath because you wanted to get something you see it's not everything we do that the bible will say we sold our birthright but when we consider something in the world as of more value than the blessing the lord gave to us in his commandments and then we say because of this certificate it is more important to me than the commandments of god and then in the light in the face of great light having been told that this is not what we should do we still go ahead to do it we still despise the word of the lord because of something that we consider to be important that if we don't have it oh our life will be miserable like i said many people treat education that way people sell their birthright on the altar of education they sacrifice their lives on the altar of education some it is on the altar of marriage some it is on the altar of just getting a job others is on the altar of getting uh immigration visa or something all of these means are ways in which people sacrifice their birthright on these different altars there are many altars people are burning their birthright on top of them because they feel that their life will be inconvenient some even feel that they will die if they don't have it that's how esau felt he felt a great inconvenience he said i'm at the point to die do you believe that esau was at the point to die we all know he was not at the point to die but many of us too were not at the point to die just like esau esau was not at the point to die you also i am not at the point to die when i choose to disobey god for the purpose of getting something in the world we are not at the point to die it's just what we say oh, but the lord may be merciful to us and we need to entreat god to be merciful to us as we review our lives and see 
how we have sold our birthright on these different altars. May the Lord have mercy on us. It is time to pray, brothers and sisters. Pray for yourselves while I will pray here that the Lord may have mercy on us. Let us pray. Holy Father in heaven, have mercy on your children. We, like Esau, in more ways than one, have sacrificed our birthright on the altar of the things of this world. Whether it is on the altar of education or the altar of our own self-indulgences, Lord, have mercy on us. And all those who are listening, their hearts touched, knows wherein they have gone wrong. Each of us, we know where we've gone wrong. Please, Lord, have mercy and forgive us. Touch our hearts more and more with your Holy Spirit. And help us, Lord, to make quick work of repentance, restitution, wherever we have gone wrong. We don't know what heaven has recorded against us. Lord, have mercy on us. Please have mercy. Cleanse us of sin's guilty stain. Take away our remorse and our guilt, O Lord, and help us, Lord, to find repentance, O Lord. Whatever decisions made in the past that we look back on now, as our hearts are touched, Lord, please leave a blessing behind. Forgive us our sins and help us, Lord, that whatever we need to do to correct the wrongs that we have made, help us to do it. Some people may need to go and tell the truth concerning their age. Some may need to even make other decisions to reverse something they have done that was wrong. Lord, help us to do this work. Give us the grace and help us to know how to go about it. Help us, Lord, not to come completely to the point of Esau in selling our birthright. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Amen.